Good morning, everyone. If I've not met you, my name is Pastor Dan. I'm the Pastor Dan Knust of the family. Pastor Dan Morgan asked if I'd fill in this morning for him, and uh, I always, always, always appreciate the opportunity to stand in his place up here on a Sunday morning, because as you guys, we love that man dearly. Amen? I have an announcement to make on the front end of this this morning. Um, by the way, I am the high school pastor here at the church, if I've not met you. Um, I do have an announcement to make this morning, a sobering announcement, if Corey, if you'd bring that picture up on the screen, please. Um, unfortunately, we lost one of our church family members earlier this week. Franklin Junt, on the right there, um, died in his sleep. Crawled into bed one night with plans to get up in the morning and go to work, and uh, the Lord had different plans and brought him to heaven. So that's the good news. As I say, we've lost him, but in a sense, we have not lost Franklin. We know exactly where he's at. Amen? And he, we know he knew the Lord, and that is the good news in all this. And that's what we can celebrate this morning in the midst of a, a surprising, stunning, shocking, sad situation. So I um, wanted to let you know, though, also that on June 4th, this coming Saturday, June 4th at 10 o'clock, we will have his funeral here at the church. And immediately following that, there will be a gathering in the fellowship hall that you're all invited to come to. So again, that'll be this coming Saturday morning, June 4th at 10 a.m. here at the church with the fellowship right afterwards in the uh, fellowship hall. So, okay, with all that said this morning, what I, kind of, I guess what God laid on my heart this morning, um, unfortunately lines up with a little bit of what we've experienced in our country in this last week. A lot of you know what happened in Texas. And I don't want to talk about that this morning as much as I want to talk about something that we all have. Everybody sitting in this room this morning has one thing in common. And God, it's a gift that God has given each one of us and it's a gift that he will not interfere with in certain areas of our life. And one of them is a relationship with him. The best gift God's given us and the worst gift God's given us, if I can put it that way, is our free will. Everybody in this room has the same gift given to us by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is our free will. And unfortunately, we saw that play out earlier this week in Texas where that shooting happened in the school that I'm sure everybody in this room has heard about by now, which is absolutely horrific. It's terrible, it's sin, it's evil, whatever word you want to give it, okay? I was at the gym earlier this week on the, on the elliptical machine when I saw the news. I hadn't heard about it, and the banner come across the screen as I was um, on the machine working out, and I thought, man, Lord, what in the world? You know, what do you do with this? And I want to lay this at your feet this morning, just a couple of quick thoughts on the front end of this, and then I'll get into what God, I believe, has laid on my heart this morning. Um, he goes, Dan, Christians don't act this way. If you're ever wondering what to do, the conversation in our country and around the world, really, in our country is, what do we do? What do we do? We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to fight mental health. We need to change this. We need to fight gun laws. Listen, people, we have the answer. Do we not? We have the answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. And people who have heard their hearts changed and brought from death to life don't do this. So when you're watching the news and you're hearing the conversations, it's righteous indignation that I feel when I get into this conversation because we leave, we as a society, leave God completely out of the conversation, don't we? Everybody you listen to talks about everything except a changed heart. We have the good news. We should walk out of church on a Sunday morning with a spring in our step. Because as Franklin Junt knows now, he knows Jesus and he knows truth better than any of us do. I don't have all of the answers. I don't, I'm not 
that bright, to be honest with you, to figure out gun laws and safeties in schools and things like this. But here's what I do know. Until the Lord returns, we're going to deal with evil on this side of heaven. We live in a fallen world. But man, we've got hope, don't we? We have the hope in Jesus Christ that if one heart is changed, that may change a, a, a horrible tragedy in a family somewhere along the way. That may change one person experiencing the lake of fire for eternity. If we hang on to this truth in the midst of all the noise and all the confusion, please hang on to that. Because you guys, we can have peace in our heart that we know the answer because we've experienced the answer, haven't we? We don't have evil in our heart any longer. We are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. We can celebrate that our names are written in the book of life. Amen? So when we walk out of here today, I want us to realize, though, where that comes from is a free will. And God will not thwart your free will when it comes to a relationship with him. And that word thwart took me a long time to even learn how to say, to be honest with you. It means he's not going to interfere with you. He will woo you. He will draw you near. He will do whatever he can to get a hold of you. But he will not make you love him. He wants us to choose with that gift that he's given me. He wants me to choose him. And when I don't feel like it, I'm going to choose him. And I'm going to take that will that he's given me, and I want to live out that will to his glory. Because it's by his grace that my heart is changed right? So I want to look at scripture this morning, and I want to give us a couple of different examples that we can look at this morning on what you want to do with your free will. I'm going to lay the choice, as God does this morning, completely at your feet. This is going to be totally up to you what you do with what the scripture is going to teach us out of what we're going to look through this morning. Now, I've got a few different scriptures. You can turn to them if you want. I'll read. I'll let you know which ones they are so you can go back home later on and, and look at them. But I want to give you which example will you follow? in regards to your free will this morning. That's what I want you to think about, okay? Because every one of us have this gift. And are we using this gift for God's glory or are we using it for my purposes, my will, and my glory? The very first example I want to look at is the devil, Satan. If you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 14. I'm going to read 12, verses 12 through 15 is what I'm going to read here this morning. And this is what I've probably heard this somewhere. I refer to this as the I will chapter or the I will verses because these are, I want you guys to really get the temperament of what is being said here. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15 say this. This is referred to, this refers to Satan himself. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of dawn. Stop there. You have to remember this about the devil. He doesn't create anything. He perverts what God's made perfect. That's what happened in the fall. When the fall took place, that's why we see all the sexual immorality and murder and all the different things we see here. Life was given to us. God made it perfectly, and Satan does nothing but pervert it. He's an imitator, and you see it right here. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. He's trying to imitate Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world, is he not? So you've got to remember, when it comes to the conversation with the devil, he will do his best to pervert what God has made perfect. And I use that all the time talking to high school kids when it comes to our sexual desires. 
God made sex for us to procreate, to make babies. It's beautiful. It's perfect. He's given us genuine desire in the midst of that at the beginning. And what Satan does, because the fall, he comes in and perverts that desire and turns it upside down on its head. When someone comes to me and they said, I have this desire sexually, I say, what you feel is real, but it's perverted. And God wants to tip it up and make it right again. That's what the whole thing is. When you look at what the devil's done, he perverts everything, and he will pervert Scripture. He did it with Jesus when he was being tempted in the desert. He took Scripture and left parts out as he told Jesus, the Son of God, the Bible, as he read it to him. So let's go on. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations, You said in your heart, now listen to me, I want you guys to stop there for a second. You said in your heart, I'm not saying you're the devil, but hear me right. When you say in your heart, God, I want my way, not your way, I want this to land on you. Because you're making a choice outside of what God would have you do. And we got to make sure that we're paying attention to that, that that does not happen. So you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will, rise my, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the utmost highest of Mount Zion. I will, above, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you were brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. And that's what we see here. If Satan is saying, Our pastor has taught us forever this this doctrine of theology of sanctification, of a pure heart. Because when you have a double-minded heart, as James says, you're basically doing this. At times in your life, think about the rhythm of your life. At times, Christ sits on the throne, doesn't he? God, God is my God, and he's my Savior, and he's on the throne. Until I want something more than what God wants for me. Then I take God and I kick him off the throne, and he's still in my heart, but this inner battle of the old man that Paul talks about. So I sit here and I go, okay, Lord, you're God until I don't want you to be. You're God until I want something more than what you want, then I will get my way in my heart, and that's that double-mindedness. That's that battle that we fight. So when you rage against these things in your own heart, and you're like, Paul, why do I do the things I hate to do? I don't want to do them, and Paul says it's not me doing them, but the indwelling sin within me that's doing them. It comes from a subconscious level that is so deep down in your heart, you don't even realize it's happening until it's happened. And you're like, where did that come from? This is what you're doing. You're taking your free will, and you're making sure that you're pushing God over to the side for a second. I'm not saying you quit believing in Christ. I'm not saying you've lost your salvation. But I am explaining to you, so when you see these battles going on within, that's why it's happening. And there is, a, there is an answer for that. And God will purify your heart, according to Scripture, on this side of heaven. And I believe we don't, I'm not going to get into that this morning, but I do believe he will do that here. So that's the first example we've got with the free will, is Satan's. I will be like God. I will ascend above the throne of God. And that's what you've got to see. So when you, when you get in this inner battle with your free will, that's what's going on. The second example I want to look at is the Apostle Paul. So if you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, and verse 20 is where I want to read. 
And this, so I can give this some context of what we're looking at here. Paul is on his road to Damascus with papers, as many of you know, as with papers to crucify, or not crucify, but to persecute more Christians. He wants to persecute the way, because Paul really believed in his heart. He was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. He was zealous for the things of God. He was zealous for this idea, as I'm going to persecute the way, because he thought they were a sect that was not honoring God. On the road to Damascus, many of you know, he got knocked off his horse. Jesus appeared to him. And he knocked him off his horse. He was blind. He was blind, led in by as two, two servants with him, led into Damascus to Straight Street, and there he sat, blind, not knowing what was going to go on, thinking he was doing what God wanted him to do. Jesus taught him differently because Jesus asked him this. On the road to Damascus, he asked him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And I've always caught that. I found that always really interesting how he says, why do you persecute me? Paul was persecuting the church. Paul was persecuting the way, not yet to be called Christians, but that's who Christians were referred to as was the way. So Paul, he, Jesus asked Paul, why are you persecuting me? He's the church. He's the Savior. He's the one Paul was really fighting against. So when you're fighting with your will against God and you say, I will, you're fighting against God and you're going to lose. You're not going to win. Paul goes into Damascus, sits at Straight Street, and he sits there, and he's blind, scales on his eyes. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, you see another part of the story is Jesus uh, appears to Ananias, one of his disciples, and he tells Ananias to go into Damascus, go to Straight Street, and see the, this man called Saul, and I want you to pray for him. And I love him. We've talked about this before because this is one of, my, one of my favorite guys in Scripture is Ananias. Because I think you see in Ananias' story, you can ask God questions. You can say, Lord, I don't understand this. Why are you doing this? What are you trying to get across? And this is what Ananias does. Because he goes, uh, Jesus, you know who Saul is, right? And chances are, Saul probably persecuted, if not Ananias, some of his family members and friends in the community. So Ananias knew exactly who Saul was and exactly what was going to be going on. But he goes in. He took his free will and he minded Jesus. Are you going to do the same? Are you going to take your free will and mind the Lord and do what he says to do? Ananias goes into straight street and Jesus tells him, here's what I want you to do. But the Lord said, go, he's talking to Ananias now, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. So Ananias goes in, Praise for Paul, brother Saul, he calls him. Scales were removed off of Saul's eyes. And then verse 20 says this, at once he began, that being Paul, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. So Ananias, you see this story of a man who's doing God's will and goes in. And it's always struck me also just as a rabbit trail for just a second. He, he tells Ananias, and I will show Paul all that he must suffer for my namesake. We want to know God's will, don't we? Am I the only one? We would like to know what God's will is for our life, yes? God showed Paul. God showed Paul all he must suffer for my namesake. And Paul did it anyway. Do we really want to know what God's will is? Paul did it anyway. And then when he, after, listen, look at your life. Think back for a second. Do you remember the day you gave your life to Christ? Do you remember? Think back, are you like Paul? 
were you that obedient? Because it says Paul immediately got up and began to preach that Jesus Christ is risen and he is the son of God. Think about your life for a second after you had your encounter with Christ. And I believe you do have to have an encounter. So when we're sitting in our chairs on a Sunday morning, we can look back over our shoulder and go, that's the time I gave my life to Christ. And because of that day, today, decisions are made because of that day. We have to have, you don't have to know the date and the time, but you have to know there was a moment when you had a road to Damascus experience with Jesus. Because that's what changed Paul's heart. And now Paul is not persecuting people any longer. Remember what I talked about at the beginning? His heart's been changed. He's new. Christians don't behave in the manner that you saw in Texas earlier this week. You see it right here in this example. The third example is this, Demas. 1 Timothy 4.10, you don't need to turn there. I'm going to be real quick on this one. It says, for Demas, and Demas was one of Paul's disciples. Scripture makes it very clear that he walked with Paul for a time. And if you're walking... How can two get walked together unless they're in agreement? So there's debate over this. Demas wasn't saved. Demas was saved. I believe, listen, Paul, you got to remember, Paul kicked Mark off of a trip because Mark just wanted to go home. And Paul says, you're not going with me again because you're not committed. So you can't believe for a second that Demas is not a Christian in this story. But it says in 1 Timothy 4.10, Paul is writing to Timothy, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. This, to me, is a free will statement that I can walk away from my faith. I can walk away from the Lord. Because if, if when I'm saved and I give my life to Christ, I do not lose my free will. And it is a relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. Jesus says, no one can pluck, me out of, no one can pluck you out of my hand, which I totally believe and totally agree with. And he's talking about the evil one within that statement to begin with. But I still have a free will and I can be like Demas and I can walk away. Listen to me. If you're like Demas this morning in this room, I want you to get this. If you're like Demas and you watch the news and you've had experiences in your life, you've lost a loved one or family member and you're like, Lord, I'm done. I'm walking away. I can't do this anymore. This is too hard. Don't, dare, don't you dare do that. You walk with what you're going, to, going through toward the Lord, not away from him. But Demas chose with his free will to walk away from a relationship with the Lord. I believe you see that in this story, in this statement. So you've got Satan, the I will, I will ascend above God. I will be the one that runs my own life. I'm going to be the one that's going to make my decisions. I think it's Frank Sinatra, if I remember right. I did it my way. It's a horribly bad way to, to end your life. Oh, I did it my way. I know. I want to do it God's way. So you got that as the first example of free will. The second one, Paul and Ananias in this story. Are you just going to mind God and do what he says? And when Paul had that encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, his heart was changed forever. He was a new creation in Christ and began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is God. Just for a minute, can you imagine if, if the most evil person you... Okay, let me, let me back up for a second. I've not always been a Christian. I have been a very evil person earlier in my life. I have done things that... I know I'm forgiven, but I don't know that I'll ever get over it, and I never have forgotten. But I know I'm forgiven. Make sense? But because of that, I have a free will now, and my heart's been changed, and I am different. And now I follow the Lord. I think about what it had to be like in the synagogues when Paul walked in and said, hey, Jesus is Lord. Imagine that being happening in church. I'm sure a few people were uncomfortable. 
I have preached on this stage in this room, not knowing these people were in the room, and I've looked around the room just like I am now, and I've bumped into eyeballs with people that knew who I used to be. And I think to myself, boy, Lord, that's unnerving. But man, does he get the glory for a changed heart and a changed life, doesn't he? That's you guys. As you sit in your seats this morning and you go to work and you're a new person in Christ, it's different. And God gets the glory for that. Or you can be like Demas and you can walk away. Don't do that. Oh, by the grace of God, don't do that. I don't care how hard it is for you. God will hold you close. Scripture says, I will hold you with my mighty righteous right hand. And I've often used this example when we're holding on to the Lord and you see a little boy or a little girl holding on to their mom or dad's hand in the store. And we hold on to that hand tight, don't we? Because we don't want them to get harmed. And we don't want them to get away. We don't want them to get lost. When you get to walking away from God, it's almost like this. You've got to shake your hand free. You've got to go, Lord, let me go. I want to go. Let me go. You ever had your little kid do that? In your heart, don't ever do that with God. Don't ever get to the point where you're just like, Lord, it's too much. Just let me go. I want to go on my own and try to shake your hand free from him. Just don't do it. You hang on tight because he's hanging on tighter to you. So what I want to do now is I want to give you a couple points that I've got in these last few minutes. And I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12. Because I want to look at I want to look at three things this morning off of these scriptures that we've talked about. The first one is I want to look at the motive. The second thing is I want to look at the method. And the third thing is I want to look at the manifestation of what we're talking about this morning. We're going to find all three of these in Romans chapter 12, which many of you know the scripture very well, in verses 1 and 2. This has to do with our free will as well. So I'm going to read this, and I'm going to break that down, and then we'll get closed up here this morning. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now remember, this is an example that we can follow of what we do with our free will as we live out our lives. The first point is this, the motive. Verse 1 in this gives us the motive that Paul tells us to have behind what we do for Christ. Therefore, therefore what? The first 11 chapters of Romans lays out the doctrinal issues that God talks about. How the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. How God, how God, for, God so, for God so loved us, he demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That we've all, fall, we've all sinned and all fallen short of the glory of God. That all things work for good for, for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. All these things we find in the first 11 chapters of Romans. But we also find chapter 1 where he turned people over to their own evil desires. A lot of people say this is Paul's doctrinal, this is his doctrinal statement as far as scripture goes. These first 11 chapters. So Paul says, now that you know all this, therefore I urge you brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as sacrifices holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual, or another translation will say, reasonable act of worship. The reasonable act of worship, the reason we come in here on a Sunday morning and we lift our voices up to the Lord is because of what he's done and who he is. And that's what Paul is telling us to do here. That's the therefore <clears throat> is because of that. And because of all he's done for us, we should be willing to offer ourselves up as living sacrifices. Should we not? 
We should take that free will that we have and lay it on the altar of God and say, I'm yours. No matter what, I am a living sacrifice to you because of what you've done and who you are. But in this, I want to give you two examples because if you look at the Old Testament, there's a different trend, there's a different uh, um, dynamic here. There's a different response, if you will. In the Old Testament, it was they made a sacrifice. They would make a sacrifice where they would come up, as many of you know, lay their hand on the animal, and they would slit the animal's throat, and they would feel the blood drain out of that animal, and because the blood drained out, the life would leave that animal. That innocent animal, they would make that sacrifice for a covering of their sin, as many of you know. And I just can't even imagine what that had to feel like when you feel that animal just give out from underneath your hand. I often use my, my pet as an example. I can't imagine going home to Grace and laying my hand on her head and slitting her throat because of something I've done against God. And then all of a sudden, the blood runs out of that animal and she just collapses underneath my hand. See, someone innocent gave and shed blood for us because of that, because of our sin. And that innocent one is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, as we all know we talk about in this room. In the New Testament, it is be a sacrifice. We don't make a sacrifice in the New Testament. We become the sacrifice. When, when Paul says, offer yourselves up as a living sacrifice, we are the sacrifice because of what's been done. That's how we need to live our lives. So we become, we be a sacrifice. In other words, I guess I would put it this way. God desires for you to be all in. Are you? Are you all in? Hang on to that thought, because I'm going to challenge you with that in the next thing that we're going to look at. But the motive behind it is because of what Christ has done for us, to be holy, set apart. For what reason? Why are we to be holy and set apart? I believe for God's service. No matter what you do, where you're at, no matter what's going on in your life, we are holy and set apart for God's glory, but for his service as well. How are you serving the Lord in your life? Have you offered yourself up as a living sacrifice? I'm not asking you if you're saved at this point to offer yourself up as a living sacrifice, which Paul says is a command in the tense that we're looking at this morning. It's not a request or a recommendation. It is a command that Paul gives these people in this scripture. So we have to be that way. There are some Christians that really believe they can dress, act, and look like the world and be okay. Not for very long. You won't last. You'll be like Demas, and you will go back to the world if you, if you behave that way. 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16 says this, But he also, he who has called you as holy, you should also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you be holy, for I am holy. Think about God's grace. Well, Dan, I can't be holy. That's a lot to ask, really. Can you be saved? If we're saved, being set apart shouldn't be that hard, should it? And the one who saves me by his grace will give me the grace to be set apart, to be holy for his service and for his glory. So he will do this for you if you allow him to. But if you don't want him to, he will not thwart that will of yours, and it will be totally up to you what you do with it. So we need to be holy in all of your conduct, it says. That's what Peter is telling people who are being persecuted. In all your conduct, be holy, be set apart. And here's the deal. We, and it says at the end of this, he says, then you, will, then you will be holy and pleasing to God. The way we are holy and pleasing to God or pleasing to God is to be holy. You want to be pleasing to God? 
Do you want to be someone he looks down on with joy in his heart? Then be set apart. If you're holy and you're set apart, you will be pleasing to God. That's the rhythm of what Paul's talking about here. And God's method to do that is to change us from the inside out. That's the name of our youth group, Inside Out. I did not come up with that. I inherited that name, which I think is still a great name. Because it's an inside-out transformation that we need to experience, is it not? It's like I talked about last week. It's not behavioral modification that I'm talking about here. It's not about behavior. It's about your heart. It's about being transformed from the inside out because of what Christ has done for us. And that's the second point is the method. The method goes this way. In verse 2a, it says this, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the word conform means this, and this is not original to me, but I'm going to use it because it's a great example. You go home today, grab a tube of toothpaste and start squeezing that tube of toothpaste. Nothing on the inside of that tube of toothpaste has changed. It's outside pressure that forms that tube of toothpaste. You understand? Are you being conformed by the patterns of the world? Are you being conformed because of the outside pressures that you're experiencing in your life? Are you being changed and conformed to the world's way because of outside pressure? The second thing is this, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To be transformed simply means this. I would go back for just a second. That was Demas. He had to be getting conformed to the patterns of the world, so he went back that way. To be transformed by the renewing of your, of your mind, to be transformed from the inside out is like a balloon. If I hold a balloon up here, nothing happens to that balloon until I do what? I put air inside the balloon. Make sense? Then the balloon is being formed from what? The inside. What's happening on the inside is being affects the outside of that balloon. That balloon gets blown up, and we've all seen people make animals out of balloons, right? So we've been transformed by the inside. Then someone takes me and forms me and makes me look like Christ. That's the Holy Spirit of God. But first we have to have that inward work. We have to have that transformation. And if I'm not transformed daily by the renewing of my mind, here's what I end up doing. If I get up in the morning and I love God and I don't read my Bible for who knows how long, and I'm not being renewed in my mind by God's word and by, by prayer and by discipline, spiritual disciplines, what starts to happen to me is I start to deflate. And all of a sudden, that balloon, what, happened on the, what happens on the inside of that balloon, it starts to deflate. I haven't lost my faith, hear me right, but I'm starting to be deflated. I'm starting to get weaker. I'm not going to be as strong as I once was because I'm not being transformed. And here's what we end up doing. Then we take God's word. The habit out of that becomes this. And you see it a lot in the world. All of a sudden, I start to make God's word fit what I want. I start to do what I saw on, on a YouTube video not long ago with a guy talking about how um, when Lazarus was raised from the dead, how that was an LGBTQ call for those people to come out. Because this guy who was genuinely preaching the word of God, he thought, and he was teaching false teaching and heresy, said, well, that is, that's the called out. Jesus told him, take off your grave clothes and come out. And that was a call to the gay community that it's okay, God loves you, you be who God made you to be, you're okay, and you just come out of your grave, and you take off your grave clothes. I want to throw my phone across the room. Why, though? Because it's not true. Because he's taking something that I love in God's word, in the one who gave me that word, and he's perverting it. Make sense? But think about all the poor souls, and I mean, there's got to be a lot of them that bought into that that day. 
because they didn't know God's word. Thank God we sit, at, we sit at the feet of a man who teaches us the truth of the Bible. Amen? Whether we like it or not, we hear it here. But that's the method. If you don't do, if you don't allow yourself to be transformed daily, we'll start to take God's word and we'll start molding it and twisting it to fit what my agenda is. I don't hold authority over the word of God. The word of God holds authority over me. And I need to be transformed to live in a manner that lines up with the Word of God. Does that make sense? I hope you guys are hearing what my heart's saying this morning, because this is hard. Because the, the Word offers three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And Satan used it in the, in the garden with, with Eve, in the garden, and Adam, and he's doing it today with us. He used it in the, de in the desert when Jesus was being tempted. So how do we keep from being um, conformed into the world's image? Be transformed daily by the renewing of your mind through God's word. The revelation of God's word, you've got to study it. There's a difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible. Spend time studying the Bible. And then you've got to meditate on it. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That, that theme is, it's a, it's a mining theme. You've got to drill down. It takes effort to hide God's word in your heart. And we've got to make sure that we're doing that. So that way we make sure that we're transformed. So my, I guess the, to close with this and move on to the last point is this. So what's shaping you? As you live your life, are you being conformed or are you being transformed? Where you sit in your seat, God will be faithful enough to tell you where you're at. Listen to him and change it as according to how he sees it. The third and the last point is this, the manifestation. That's verse two, the latter half, B. Then it says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If we renew our minds, we will be able to discern the will of God in our lives. And if you ever wonder what God's will is, it's this, that you know him and that he knows you. Then, that's where that starts. Then, the rest of God's will will play out in your life because the Holy Spirit of God will say, turn here, turn there, don't do that, do this. He's faithful to speak to your heart. Jesus says, they are my sheep, they know my voice, and they follow me. Because we know his voice. So we've got to make sure that the manifestation happens because we're being transformed. Then you will know what God's will is for your life. Then you will be holy and pleasing to him. And listen, I'm going to close with this thought and then I'm going to, we'll, I got something, we got to do something here at the end of the service to get finished up here. But um, a lot of you in this room and a lot of people really believe this is about trying harder. I'm going to try harder. Dan, I hear what you're saying today, and I'm going to try harder to follow God when I leave this room today. Don't do that. Don't try harder. Surrender more. Then you will be there. It's not about trying harder. Are there things to do that we got to work at? Yes, hear me right. It's not like you're just going to be able to float through life. you got to work hard to be a Christian and to hang on to your faith because we live in a fallen world that is trying to steal you, steal your faith away from God and to steal your relationship from God. But it's not about trying harder. It's about surrendering more of your heart to him. And when you surrender your heart to him, you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You will be empowered by his grace to go live for his glory. That's the rhythm in which we want to do this. It's not about me trying harder. Um, people really think that true spiritual victory comes from trying harder. And it doesn't, you guys. It comes from surrendering more, which causes me to live by the power of the Holy Spirit for his glory and by his grace. I can't do this on my own. I spent 10 years of my life before I became a Christian. I spent 10 years trying to be the right man. I spent 10 years trying to do what I wanted, what I, I knew in my heart what I wanted. 
And I tried so hard to be that guy, and I could never get there. The day I knelt down and I got up, I was different. And from there, God starts molding me. That transformation happens. And on the outside, I start looking like a Christian again. Does that make sense to you guys? So you got to understand the rhythm of what we're talking about. So you got to know the power of the Holy Spirit will change this, change this for you. But it's up to you what example you want to follow this morning with your free will. We've all got it. When you look at the news, I want you to really understand the answer is Jesus Christ. But we know that, but we've got to make sure that we follow the right example in Scripture with our free will. Because God will never interfere with it, you guys, when it comes to a relationship with him. But someone with a changed heart acts like a Christian. Someone with a changed heart doesn't do evil. Someone with a changed heart doesn't go out and cause tragedy. They don't hate. They don't do all these things that you see the world doing. And when you're watching the news and you see all these different things going on, you know what the answer is. And you've got to know in your heart what the answer is, you guys. And with your free will, you're going to choose to believe Jesus Christ can make a difference in hearts. And if one heart is changed, it changes everything. So what example are you going to follow? Are you going to follow Satan's? Are you going to follow Ananias and Paul? Or are you going to follow Deme uh, Demas? It's up to you guys what you do with it. I would encourage us to live out Romans 12, 1 and 2. Offer yourselves up. Be transformed. Be set apart. And you will know what the will of God is for your life. Amen? To close the service this morning, I guess what we'd like to do is if you are in this room and you are taking your free will this week and you are living it out by serving at VBS which we love you guys and appreciate it a bunch because without volunteers, it doesn't happen. So I don't know if Jackie and Kylie are in the room, but if you are volunteering in any manner in VBS coming up this next week, we'd like you to stand up and come up here in the front of the room, if you would, please. We'd like to pray for you, and then we'll close in our service that way with prayer, okay? So if, no matter what the capacity is, whether you're volunteering at registration, serving in the food ministry, whatever you're doing, you are taking your free will this week, and you are offering it to the Lord for, for his service. You're being holy and set apart for God's service this week. So thank you for all of you doing this. It's Come on in here. Yeah, come on over to the front, you guys, a little bit, if you would, please. And for all of you, here's what I'd like all the rest of us to do this week. And I'm, I'm very serious in what I say. If these people come to mind, if VBS comes to mind for you this week, do me a favor and just stop and pray. Okay, stop and pray for the stop and pray for VBS that it would go well. Because like Tanner said earlier in the announcements, there's a lot of kids coming in this room that don't know Jesus. There's a lot of kids coming in this room over the next couple of days that they've never heard the story of Jesus Christ and they're not taught this stuff at home. But here they are, and I'm very grateful and very thankful for all of you that are serving in this ministry this week. So let's pray and we'll close the service. Okay, Father in heaven, you are good, and we are so grateful to have an opportunity to come before you this morning, Lord, and just to thank you for the gift that you've given us in our free will. It is the most precious thing you've given us, but man, Lord, it's the hardest thing to deal with in our lives. And that never changes until we'll get to heaven and hear the, hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. So I pray this morning, out of, the out of the examples that were given out of scripture, that we would follow examples of Paul and Ananias and know what it's like to offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice, to take that free will that you've given us and use it for your glory, to be set, up, set apart for your service, and may we do all of it um, by your grace. So, Father, thank you for the truth of your scripture. Thank you for the opportunity for us to be able to walk out of this place knowing that we have the answer for everything on this side of heaven, and that answer is not in a situation, a circumstance, or a law. That answer is in a person. And his name is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and we are grateful for that. But I want to close, Lord, by praying for all these 
faithful souls that have come up at the front of the room that are serving um, in BBS in whatever capacity it is. I pray, Lord, that they always remember that it is a privilege that you've given them to call them to do that this week because they are being faithful to what you've laid on their hearts. They are being obedient to what you've laid on their hearts, and we are so grateful for it, Lord. You tell us in your word that we are better to tie an anvil around our necks and jump into the sea than to harm one of these little ones. So I'm praying this this week, as all these volunteers are here, that they realize what they're doing is they're, they're, they're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the ones you love the most, those little bitty kids, Lord. And when they look into the eyes of those little kids this week, no matter what they're doing or what the situation may be, that they see you. They just see the innocence that the world is so desperately trying to steal. And when they look into the eyes of these little kids, that they just tell them that you love them and you're there for them and you'll walk with them. And even if it seems like nobody's listening, Lord, help these volunteers to know that your, your word never returns void. That even if they, they feel like it, it was just nothing really happened this week for them because of whatever experience they had, that their faithfulness pleases you, that their obedience pleases you, and that your word never returns void. And the seeds that they're planting in the hearts of these little kids this next few days will last and change them for eternity. So, Father, I just pray that you do a work in heart, the hearts of all the volunteers, a deep work in their heart of just knowing that, they're pleased, that you're pleased with them. And for the little kids that will show up in this church, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you minister to their hearts and that they would have changed lives. They would have that road to Damascus experience even at their age in this church this next week because you were good and we are grateful. So bless each one of these people that are in the front of the room this morning, Lord, that are volunteering. Bless the efforts that's done at BBS this week and may it all be done by your grace to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys, you are dismissed. Have a great day, everyone.